All right, we are back. Uh, it's been a while. I haven't uh, recorded a an edition of Sounding Off on Soccer in a while. Uh, it's been, but it's it's not for not being busy. That's for sure with soccer in this area in uh, Western Pennsylvania. Uh, this is John Krasinski of Pittsburgh Soccer. Now uh, joining me is Dom Dominic Campbell. Dom. Uh, you've been out there at the forefront covering really the Pitt men's team, Pitt women's team. You even uh, toiled a little bit with the WPIL playoffs. Um, it's been really great to have your uh, your contributions to Pittsburgh soccer now, Dom. So, yes, um, really big win for the Pitt women's soccer on Saturday night against Buffalo. Um, a decent crowd. You know, I think 944 was the uh, announced total attendance, which was not bad for a horrible uh, game. Terrible. I, I would not have been there. So to any were fan you, that was there. Were you uh, you getting to like the hot chocolate, coffee? What was going on there? Because I even in that press box, it gets warm, but it's uh, like sometimes it's cold. Or were you? did they put you outside? No, they didn't put me outside. Um, I sat inside and yeah, it was cold. I just... I always make sure to make sure my phone is not frozen because it's not fun when your phone doesn't work and you do interview because <laughs> that happened to me once. And yeah, you got to make sure you stay warm in that press box. It does get cold. You're right, John. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you've been there front and center for a lot of the excitement of Pitt men's team uh, this year. You know, it's, it, I wrote about this in, in my NCAA tournament piece. Uh, and then we updated it today, obviously to find out where Pitt's men are going, but, with the, you know, I talked about how they've been kind of up and down, but the, the true, the real ex story is uh, this year, I think, is if you look at both programs, they're at places where they want to be. I mean, even Pitt men, like they're having a kind of a down year. They had to fill in, plug in places, do, you know, kind of refill the roster here and there uh, with some, some significant losses from last year's team. But the women, though, I mean, they're in the place. This is where they wanted to be, and they're they're really enjoying the moment, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, Randy Waldrum's finally back for the NCAA tournament. Obviously, extremely successful with Notre Dame. I believe he won two national titles there, and in his fifth season, he's back in the NCAA tournament. Even without his uh, main striker and Amanda West, he's yeah. found other players to step up for him, and I'm pretty sure we'll talk about them in a minute. But yeah, he's. He's ecstatic. The, the girls were ecstatic after the win, and the fans were very happy to see Pitt do so well after never reaching this moment ever in prior history. Yeah, so let's talk about that. You know, they they we, we saw the excitement, the, just the fact that they got into the tournament. I had a chance to interview Randy right after the announcement and Sarah Schapansky. And, you know, there was a sense from the team that, you know, they 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 had they had been waiting for this moment. They felt that they deserved to get in last year. So there's a little bit of chip on their shoulder. And I think they wanted to, you know, prove it, prove, uh, you know, in the ACC competition this year. Um, but then they step into the stage in the NCAA tournament and they have to play a Buffalo team that's only lost once this year. And honestly, whenever you step foot into the NCAA tournament stage, I, you know, you throw out really, the conferences and all those type of things. I mean, every opponent's going to be tough. What made this opponent, uh, Buffalo, pretty tough for Pitt um, through the course of the early, especially for 85 minutes, they, they couldn't put one in the back of the net? I feel like Pitt was a far better team than Buffalo mm -hmm. was. Just in terms of the talent, you could tell 
Al Pitt was a better team defensively. They really sound. They really didn't give up any opportunities and allow the offense to flourish. But unfortunately, the the attack was kind of stagnant. I mean, initially they had some chances, but they couldn't put them away. And then um, just throughout the most of the second half, there really weren't many chances. Like we just mentioned Sarah Chapansky, that she had a chance in the 76th minute. Um, I don't think she even expected to get the ball, but she gets it right in front of goal and it just hits the post. And you're just thinking this game's going to go to penalties, but then they get that one chance. You know, they, they had a cross in and, you know, Leah Pace, she gets, I said foul from behind, pushed in the back, but then and she falls to the ground and then Annabelle gets the ball again. She goes back and puts a cross in and Pace is like, well, there's the ball. I'm going to go head it in. She heads it down. And I guess that's, that's all we really can say about that game. I would just say that, well, in terms of the Buffalo, I, I think they defended kind of well. They managed to put a high line that made that allowed Pitt to be called offside six times in the first half. So I would give them credit for that. But offensively, they were um, shut down by the stellar Pitt defense. Well, and you know, Katie Katie Zelski is is just this. You know, Randy Waldrum talked about this: the fact that they weren't sure what they were going to do defensively having lost a number of players. It wasn't just Amanda West. It was the key defensive players as well. And they've adjusted through the season and keeping Ellie Caulfield in the middle as well contributed to, you know, this team being able to, to be a good, uh, to, to, to control possession, things like that, be dangerous on set pieces. But, you know, Randy talked after this game to you, and one of the things I, I took note of was that, you know, they, if they're going to to make some noise and beat Georgetown and give Florida State a run, if they get even past that point, they've got, they've got to take care of these chances in the course of these games. I mean, they, they, like you said, they were in danger of going to penalties against a team they were dominant against. Yeah, it's kind of the same story with the men's team, which we'll probably talk about soon. But just the final third, they were just not very good. And that's you can't really do that in the tournament games. Like in Buffalo, if they had maybe a little bit more luck, they score a goal. I think that's it, right? So that's why you know, having good defense is how you stay in games. But as we've seen, even in the women's towards the end of the season, they didn't win a ton of games. They were playing far better teams than they had prior to the beginning of the season. But they were struggling to score those goals. And when you're playing against play tournament, you're going to come up against really caliber teams, and you, you have less and less chances. That Randy said you have to put those away because if you don't, you, you're not going to win these games, and you're just going to go home sad and feeling regretful about missing those opportunities. How much of this do you chalk up to just the, like it was? It's been their first go around all the way through, and Randy talked about how important that Clemson game was because it was a similar type game. It was real close, one nothing. I think they needed a second half goal or yeah, they did need a second. I mean, and so at least just to, to, to strengthen their mentality as a team to, to be able to pull out these close games with a lot of pressure. Um, you know, how important do you think that that's been like, it seems like every step of the way they're learning something new because this is really all completely new to everybody except for Randy pretty much. Yeah. I mean, like I said, Randy has that experience, but these players don't. Like This is the first, first time in Pitt women's soccer history they've been to the NCAA tournament. And the program started in 1996. That's, what, 26 years now that they've had a team and they never made the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, they're doing it for the first time. And sky's the limit for them, really. I mean, I know that's saying a lot when the teams they have to face, especially Florida State. But, you know, you have to believe you got a chance. You're in the tournament. 
why not go for it? Why like why not score that chance? There's no reason to be scared. You don't have any sense of failure. You've already succeeded far more than mm-hmm. any pit team. But yeah, they're really just grinding these results out. Like and I, even that Clemson result, that was tough. They managed to get that draw in their ACC tournament for the first time as well. You know, that was the first postseason, any sort of postseason action for Pitt in 12 years. So I mean, it's all that's really right. new to these kids and. Right. No, but I just want to say that's right. They didn't even win that Clemson match. They just needed the tie to get to get yeah. the uh, ACC tournament berth. So, yeah, thanks for that correction. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just it, it's I don't know. It just sounds like maybe they've gotten over that hump now and they, they really can play with, with nothing to lose and, and kind of protect that back, you know, keep their shape. But but they have enough attacking players uh, talent even without Amanda West, but, but maybe that's, that's, you know, obviously the potentially the final step in, in, in if they, you know, next year they get Amanda West back for one more year, but, you know, they can't really think about that now. They can't really talk about that now, right now, this team with this group has achieved, you know, what, where they've always wanted to be, but now, you know, obviously Georgetown, um, you know, is another opponent that they, they can't take lightly at all did, did randy talk about that at all can we just kind of like well you know obviously you know florida state's good but maybe like lsu would be there but i mean he's thinking like it's gonna be florida state you know they're home yeah. the number one team in the bracket but um he i think he, he really just spent a lot of time talking about his team and how well they did against buffalo and that they'll spend this week looking at georgetown and being like okay like this is this is the game we gotta make sure we keep doing what we've been doing and just improving on certain things here and there. And that's going to get us, that can get us to a win. And just like I said, like you, we talked about earlier, just taking those chances because Georgetown's an even better team than Buffalo. So you, you do can't miss those chances. And if you get them, they want their solid defense. They've got a shot. Yeah. It's interesting too. Now uh, they're doing what the women's tournament does is it's a little different than the men's tournament is that they have, once they get past the first round and everybody plays in the first round, then they go to regional sites over the course of the next two weekends, I believe. And so this regional site for Pitt will be playing at Florida State uh, in Tallahassee. So not like they're unfamiliar with going down there. It, the weather will be nicer, I'm sure nicer than, than it's been up here. Uh, so I'm sure they're welcoming that. Uh, the only challenge, I mean, I guess the biggest challenge for them would be the, you know, the short rest. Um, how deep did they go on uh, with the through their bench on Saturday in Saturday night's win. I know Randy's been there's definitely been rotation squad rotation, but uh, but how deep did they go this this past Saturday? Off the top of my head, obviously they brought Leah Pace and she comes off the bench every game. She likes you know, she right. talked talk about how she likes to do that. Um, Dean came off the bench. I think Hilston Hilston I can't remember her name, but it was it was like two three players that came off the bench for the first half and the second half there weren't it wasn't really a lot of change outside of the normal mm-hmm. um normal players they really didn't switch much defensively like a few midfielders here and there but it was pretty similar for most of the match they really didn't rely on their substitutes i think grandy has an idea that his starting 11 and then pace and a few other players are the ones that are going to do it most of the time so he's pretty confident with that at least that's what i saw on saturday night yeah, and a lot of coaches know who – I mean, teams at this point in the season know who they are, you know, and they, they know who they are. I'm sure they're – this is this is what got them there. This is who they're going to go with. And, you know, you might see another sub or two here or there. But, yeah, I think that's that's sounds like a, they're 
typical rotation. Um, you talked to Leah Pace after the match too, and uh, what was what were your impression in terms of you know her feeling and, and, and how she you know just kind of you talked about the fact that she likes coming off the bench. I found that pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, usually you don't think of the best goal scorer as someone who comes off the bench. You think, oh, they're starting every game. But for her, she likes to come off, come on to the field at least 15, 20 minutes into the first half. And then she's got an idea about what the other opponent's doing. And she said, you know, I talked to Randy about this. And he said, you know, you're mature enough and this is what you want to do or work with it. And obviously with Amanda West not playing this year, she's had to step up and she scored some really important goals. Um, a bit of a drought more recently that no one else has really been scoring either. So her first goal in quite some time, I think maybe September at some point. So really, really big goal for her, um, obviously the win, but just to get back on that scoring sheet is probably going to be something she'll take into the next game. And um, But yeah, she loves coming off the bench, likes to study the opponent. And I think she was able to study the opponent because she got the goal. I mean, can't fault her for that. So she knows what she wants to do. I think if you're a coach and you have a player that's confident enough to say, that's what I want to do. And they, they contribute like she's been doing. You allow them to do that because they have the stats to back it up. Yeah. And it's a great story because again, losing Amanda West, who is going to step up, who is going to score goals. Leah Pace has definitely been in terms of on a score sheet. Uh, it's been the, the team's top goal scorer, but the contributions have been across the board. And like you mentioned, Sarah Shapinsky, Shapansky, Landy Mertz, um, Ellie Caulfield is in the midfield role. You know, there's 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 a lot of contributors there. Um, they just they have depth. You know, they do use the bench. So, um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. So it's going to be Friday uh, afternoon uh, playing Georgetown, and as we mentioned, down in Tallahassee. Um, I'm sure they're either they're heading out somewhere in the middle of the week, and uh, they'll be heading down there. Um, of course, we'll all be watching closely. We'll be providing updates on Pittsburgh soccer now. Um, and, you know, the, it's essentially an NCAA tournament fever has, has struck Oakland and has struck the University of Pittsburgh. Um, and as I said at the outset of this this podcast, you know, it's is where these both of these soccer programs want to be. And I say that even though I, I would imagine that Jay Vitovich and his team uh, – maybe it's had higher expectations this season to be a higher seed and all of that. But you know what? I was looking around and some of these top programs didn't, haven't made the tournament four years in a row like Pitt has. So I think that, you know, this is a, they're just getting, get in it. I think it will see is really the probably where they want to be. Just get in and let's see where we can make something happen. I mean, that's what Clemson did last year. So, um, so yeah, so the Pitt men today, if you were, haven't been paying attention uh the, the the tournament brackets came out here on monday um the pit landed in the same region if you will as uh, kentucky got the number one seed and pit is not unseated uh, according to the you know they, they, they only seed the top eight teams i believe um so pit got an unseated spot and they'll take on um you know, interesting matchup. They'll play on Cleveland State, who I believe are the Horizon League champions, in the first round on Thursday night, and that will be at Ambrose Urbanic Field. So another year, another pit postseason match at Ambrose Urbanic Field. 
Um, so that sets the stage. You know, this team, I think maybe a match against Cleveland State to kind of get, hopefully get them in gear for get that attack going. I think they really need to get some confidence in the final third. Um, maybe this is the kind of game that they could, they could springboard and start a run. Uh, what do you think about that, Dom? Well, if it's any game, it's going to have to be that one because, you know, they lose that, then they're yeah. done with the season. I, I mean, I think they'll win. But, again, as I've said last time we talked, I was like, you know, I'm concerned about Pitt's ability in the final third to score. And, really, they haven't done that well scoring outside of the five goals they scored against Duquesne in the middle of October. They've really struggled to just find that finishing touch at times. You, you know, we watched the – game against NC State like they scored early I thought they would be on a run but then they gave up a silly goal and then they had to go to extra time and they scored three goals in extra time which is good but yeah. like you can't go to extra time every game and, and as they seem they've tied so many games this year because what we used to know is the extra time um, the two double periods goal to goal is not existing and doesn't exist anymore regular season it does in postseason obviously but you know, that's a lot for your team to go under 90 minutes and then have to play an extra 20 minutes and maybe penalties. You don't want to be doing that, but um, they have to do something against uh, Cleveland State because um, <clears throat> they need to get their goals going and they need to find ways to score in ways they haven't done the season. And they're going to be playing against a tough mid-major team who will be looking to get an upset. And, you know, they're from Cleveland. I'm pretty sure they're like, oh, we don't like Pitt. You know, there's not really a rivalry, I don't think, between Pitt, Cleveland State, but they played before. Mm-hmm. It beat them last year in 2021. So they, they've met this team. Jay Vidovich knows Cleveland State and they know Pitt. So it'll be a good game Thursday night. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. You know, when the season started, Berton Jockerson seemed like he was playing at just a, an extremely high level. And it's it just seems like opponents are taking him out of the equation. Uh, what, what have you noticed, at least in person, uh, when you're watching, is it is 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 are they swarming him every time he touches the ball, or is it just a matter of he's just not executing um, and not sharp on in terms of his opportunities out wide and and beating defenders? Uh, I just I don't I don't know what's happened with him. I thought he would have a much more productive season. Well, he takes a while to get started with his running. Yes, he's very fast, but it takes him a while to just sprint. He doesn't have that immediate first step. It takes about one, two, three steps. Then he'll blow by you because he's tall and he's lanky. He has that extra step later on, but not immediately. So, And he's also a winger. So his job really isn't be a striker, play the number nine, just score in front of goal all the time. His job is to facilitate movement from his midfielders, from Noel in the middle, and generally Lucini who plays on the left side because if they're both on the field, he'll, he'll play right wing and then Lucini will play on the left wing mm-hmm. and cross those balls in. He scored against Notre Dame, but it was kind of a fluke goal. But like, he, I mean, he did get in the box, you know, he moved in the box and he took a shot, a little deflection and got in, which is good. But at the same time, um, he, he's not really a striker. I, I think I, we talked about it last time. Pitt doesn't have a true number nine, a striker who I think would be such a good fit for their system. Just put the ball in the back of the net. They have a lot of players that are very talented. As we've seen, I think all these players are capable of winning a national title. They're that talented. They're that strong. But just mm-hmm. putting the ball in the back of that is their nemesis at the moment and doing it within 90 minutes. Because, um, yeah, Jockerson is very talented, uh, brilliant on the ball, but just a bit slow at times to move on his first step. And that can be a bit easy for defenders to stop him. But 
when he gets going, he will blow by anybody. There's not many defenders that keep up with him after he gets a running start. Yeah, and if they do get goals from him, a lot of times because of where he plays, it's it's either a spectacular goal or he's somehow slips behind. And it's against top level NCAA teams, you're not going to slip behind too many, you know, outside backs uh, and and do really good center backs, um, um, at least at this level. But it, so he, yeah, he needs to, like you said, he needs to rely on his service. He needs to rely on. You know, and the thing is, Valentin Noel is is so solid and clinical, um, but I think he needs that. He needs that support as well. And like you said, no true number nine. I mean, Edward Kiza was was the the def- definition of a true number nine at Pitt. Uh, really hasn't had. Um, I mean, they really haven't had. And Pekovic um, was. Another interesting player because, again, he was a midfielder, but uh, he was crafty and he could he could do a lot of really good things. They all sort of complemented each other. It's almost like the U.S. national men's team. You know, the questions about the number nine, it's it's like Pitt. It seems like they have a lot of nice parts, but they don't have that. Like you said, that guy that's just frightens people of frightens defenses, except, like I said, I think Jokerson does that out on the wing. Um and Lucini, you know, it's been a nice addition. Um, Almeida is, you know, been steady. Um, Guillaume uh, uh, Fitosa. I mean, these guys are all pieces from last year's team, well, except for Lucini. But um, it just, it still has, it just hasn't materialized. And I think that, you know, your point about the lack of a, of a of number nine now, but the way they play, you know, they bring four forward. It's almost like they have four on the front line. It's like a four-two-four. Four. Um, but I, I don't know. They, they, they need to create more chaos in the box. This is what they were really good at when they were, you know, in 2020 and 2021. Is I felt like that they, they could create a lot of chaos. And, you know, with Alexander Dexter was previously on the left wing and Berton on the right, they, they, they really could stretch defenses. And the one teams that really figured them out was Notre Dame. They said, you know what, we're just going to park it. We're not going to, you're going to force to, you know, you guys to beat us through the middle. And then nobody had, you know, I think they did. They were the one team that kind of figured out Pitt last year. Um, But this year, uh, I think they need to create more chaos. I think that's something that um, they're still capable of doing. I mean, yeah, they could do it. I mean, they've, they've shown they can score goals. It's not, I mean, they played West Virginia that first, uh, one of the first games of the season. They just demolished them early in the first half and three goals, wham, bam, got the win. But those have been very far and few between. And then to be fair to the credit, they played one of the hardest schedules in the country. Yes. That's why even with a record that might not be flattering to some people, they're in the tournament because they played some of the best teams, right? Like, again, they played Akron. And then if they win this, the game against Cleveland State, they'll play Akron again. They've seen Akron. They scored goals against Akron. They scored three goals. Yeah. <laughs> they tied, but it was a very good game. Um, the thing I'm noticing is, again, like, they are a better team than a lot of teams they're playing against. Like, when they played Notre Dame this year, they tied with them, but they were a better team. Right. I mean, and, I mean, to be fair, that game was a bit weird because they had a red card and because of a bunch of a silly stuff that I won't get into. <laughs> yeah. But, like, there's just, at times, it seems like they're flying in the something happens and it just stops them again nc state they get that goal and then like a silly little goal they give up because it goes through someone's legs and then 
they're back to being a bit more cautious and not as adventurous as they once were. But yeah, um, they need to just flood the box at times. I think just send, I don't know. The problem is, I think their central midfielders are Markovic and Walty, who I wouldn't describe as like striking ability. Like Sullivan would be someone you want to throw in the middle. And he scored a nice goal against NC State. He had a nice header as well in overtime. Yeah. But I mean, like Markovic is the, if you watch him, he's the distributor. He's the creator. He, he's one of the best. He's probably the best player at Pitt with the ball. Like, there's no one better I see on the ball. He's just so calm, cool, and collected, and just able to move ball, move whatever. And Walty focuses more of a. If you read the feature I wrote about him, but just in general, he's just a central defensive midfielder. He likes that role. He likes to help the defense out, and he does very well with that. But um, yeah, they just gotta just be a bit more creative and a bit more um daring. I think that'll help them get some goals. But um. I'm sure Jay has an idea what he wants to do against Cleveland State. He's already looking at it right now, and the staff is looking at it and just being like, okay, we can go and we can execute this. And I'm assuming yeah. the players know now is the time to really get going. Well, and then the other question is, you know, again, last year you had the Jasper Loffelson, um, Cravello on the wing, uh, you know, out, outside backs that could, you know, they could take chances. And the, it just seems like, like Jackson Gilman's a freshman, and I think he's an outstanding player. In fact, he was honored by the ACC uh, freshman team. But, and I think he's, his future is bright on the left side. I think, you know, they kind of, they kind of, they've run mostly with Rosa, I guess, on the right side there, um, you know, depending on the matchups. But it, it's those guys, you know, too, I think could be, difference makers if they're, they're, they're consistent in getting forward and creating additional chances because that takes a little bit more pressure off of, you know, again, it, that, that, that adds to that, what I was saying, kind of creating chaos in the box because Pitt likes to send numbers forward and then they rely on those two center backs to do a lot of work. So um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, that I like, you know, I, like you said, I look at their bracket and I see like, you know, you were saying, I think if you look at how many games this year, even the games, I'll just say, except maybe the first Virginia game and maybe the Louisville game at Louisville, I thought those games, they just, they were definitely outplayed. But I mean, other than that, they always seem like they're the better team, even in all those five ties and all those things. So if they can kind of fix that and just be the better team and have that be clinical in the box and do something, um, a couple more times in, in the game during the run of play. Um, Cause I look at their side of the box, and like you said, the Akron game, you know, I, I, there's no reason why they, they couldn't be that go to Akron and beat Akron. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's a team that got the 16 seed. So I think the committee looked at Pitt and said, we're, we're, we're unseating you because you, you have all those ties and a couple bad, you know, a couple losses there. Um, we're on, we're not seeding you this year, but you get a chance to play the 16, which is basically the last seeded team, um, the way that the tournament's broken up. And so Pitt is essentially the 17 seed. I would kind of look at it that way. Don't you, uh, Dom? Yeah, I mean, well, I'll go to your first point about the wing backs or the, well, they kind of play with his right and left backs, but Abelnadi on the left back position mm -hmm. has been a big loss for them. He was very good. I think he helps. He and Murkovich can uh, combine for two goals against Akron. Um, they helped tie the game after they went down two 0 But after this game, but after um, Virginia, it, it was in September. I think it might have been the Virginia game. He got injured and he just hasn't been playing. 
as recently. So he's been out. I don't know if he'll play in a tournament, but if he's going right. to come back, I expect it against Cleveland State. But um, and Rose has been really well. Waltzy complimented his play. Um, he's a midfielder, he, mm-hmm. but he plays right back because it's just they need someone there, and he's very solid there. Um, and they have Mateo Maiafoe. If I'm fo, if I'm pretending, he plays left back. He's he's fine. Uh, he made a mistake against Virginia, but he's been pretty solid otherwise. Um, he's a, he pretty seems solid like offensively. Yeah, he seems like a guy off the bench that just he always gives a lot of uh, real good energy, and you know I think Jay sometimes has been selective and over the years with how he uses or he's very careful or he's very specific about his rotation. Um, you know, remember a couple of years back it was Luke Pepperack and Luke, um, um, the two Lukes, uh, Luke Mort. Uh, when he had that rotation, those were guys who were like first ones off the bench and like somewhere around a 35th minute. It's very specific if you watch how, how Jay substitutes. But I think this year he's been a little bit more willing to bring guys in and out more often. And you mentioned Michael Sullivan, too. That's another, you know, a local player of interest. Um, he's just a sophomore and he's had, a you know, another good he's progressed. Um, but they, you know, I think that's it. Like who can come up with these big moments in, in the final third and, uh, you know, Mike, Mikey, hopefully we'll have his opportunities as well. Yeah. I mean, one player I would add would be first year player, uh, defender, but functions more as a winger or at any wing plays a wing back is Noah Hall. Um, very fast, yeah. very quick. He scored, uh, what could have been the go ahead goal against, uh, Akron. They went up three, two to being down to two nil. Um, really good header he just found himself free not the biggest guy he's probably a little bit shorter than me <laughs> i'm only five six so he's not the tallest guy out there but he's very fast um and for a first year player that's exactly what you want if you're jay vidovich you know this guy can be in my team for a few years instead of having to rely on the transfers like he's been doing um he'll be glad to have him in the team so he comes off the bench um Hitos has come off the bench he's been all right but i haven't seen any real moments of brilliance from him but i can tell he's a good player i watch him play i'm like okay he's got it but Hopefully I can see something from him. But, yeah, they're really not bringing off too many players. Um, mm-hmm. They're bringing some players off the bench, but um, I think he's got his idea set. Like, he'll bring Fetos on, Almeida will come on, and Hull will come on. Those are the three guys that really come on. Yeah. Um, and Sam Cal at, time at times has come on. Louis Sam Cal, sophomore forward, he's right. come on. Uh, Who started some match? Yeah, he scored the game-winning goal against uh, Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, he could be that tree number nine. In years to come, but right now he will not be because Noel's there. He's not going to take yeah. Noel's spot. No. <laughs> so yeah, in terms of Michael Sullivan, um, yeah, he's been good. Um, he's not really a striker though. Like I said, we've been talking about the lack of the number nine, but he is. I would absolutely describe him as a central attacking midfielder. I talked to him. I'm trying to, I'll get that feature up this week. Um, <laughs> a nice conversation with him. But yeah, he just he likes to be an attacking midfielder. He doesn't describe himself as the most physical guy, but he's fast. He's quick and. Uh, that goal he scored against, against NC State, which is a great buildup from Merkovic to Rosa on the wing, and then Rosa crossed it in, and he just ran right on that ball and scored it. That's some. That's the kind of goal that I would like to see Pitt go after and try to get against Cleveland State, and he can absolutely score those goals. You know, he scored a ton of goals for Deer Lakes and helped them win with Beal title. You know, he's a very talented player. You know, they'll be good for years to come. Still a sophomore, so mm-hmm. lovely to see him grow, and um, he's growing with players that are. Maybe some play, people seem out of his league, but he'll be able to get better and better. I think he'll be a big fixture in a Jay Vidovich's pit side for years, next two years at least. Yeah, I think we've, we certainly know what Michael Sullivan's capable of doing uh, here in Pittsburgh, and uh, if you follow soccer at all, but uh, in this area. But yeah, I mean, what, what's the vibe from Jay? I mean, when your last uh, time you interviewed him, and, and, and 
what what do you think he's is he sensing that this team is close or do you sense that he's frustrated with kind of the way that they've played well it was a weird quote he gave me after the game against um nc state and he's like you know these teams can play us for 90 minutes but they're not gonna play us for 110 and i'm like well that's nice but i don't think you want to be playing every game 110 minutes like we said um but yeah i mean he, he believes in his team he's like he's never been really critical of them even when they've lost or drawn he's more just like you know we just gotta get these chances we gotta score but we're getting there we're, we're very close he thinks they're like right there in terms of scoring and to be honest they, they've scored goals before they scored three goal against three goals against west virginia they scored five goals against duquesne um they, they can score goals again three goals against akron so they, they know how to score against them so it really is just he's waiting for that moment when everything clicks and they just become the best team that they possibly can be and it's a pretty pretty good team if you ask me. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming Jay is ready to see this team explode, for lack of a better term, offensively in these NCAA tournament games. Yeah, well, we'll find out on Thursday night. I think that's that's, that's it. And I think that they are the type of team that, you know, if they can start clicking, they can be very, very dangerous. So, um, Dom, I appreciate it, uh, you know, your your thoughts and, and, and your coverage, just constant coverage that we've been able to, uh, you know, have someone out there as much as possible and, and be on the front line. So you will be there Thursday night uh, at uh, Ambrose Urbanic Field, and it should be you – know, I'm curious to see, like – if the weather is decent and there's not like rain and 30 to five degrees that, um, you know, I, I think that the numbers will be strong. People just really enjoy watching Pitt and uh, in these postseason matches and people get revved up and Ambrose is, I mean, even though the women were playing in awful weather conditions, you should still said almost a thousand people. I think that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And I mean, it, the weather for some Thursday night looks to be just cold. And we're getting into the cold season now. That that nice warm weather we had early in this month in the end of October is gone. Yeah. We're into getting close to winter now, so it'll be colder. But um yeah, I remember I covered that uh, we both were at the twenty nineteen game against Lehigh. A lot of fans there. Um Lehigh had a lot of fans, uh, especially because of Josh Lucini, who was on Lehigh at the time. But right. I expect Cleveland State will bring out sure. in numbers many of their fans, their family members, um, students that want to go because it's a close game, only two hours yeah. away. I mean, if you've been to Cleveland, it's not a far drive, really. And in terms of the country, right? Obviously, two hour drive isn't short, but it's not undoable at a night, you know. Yeah, they'll and bring a lot of people out. Um, for sure, and the the, the um, it's the Ohio. It feels like the Ohio Valley Rust Belt uh, section of the NCAA tournament because you know if Pitt uh, beats Akron. You know, if they get to beat past Cleveland State, then they got to play Akron, and they got. You know, Kentucky's at the top of that side of the bracket. And, um, you know, Kentucky would be uh, an interesting match. Uh, you know, this is the Sun Belt uh, this year. Was, so it was just kind of thrown together. You can expect the West Virginia, all these teams, like, from kind of put together this kind of mega conference uh, of all the non, like, the SEC schools and, the, you know, some of these other schools that don't have a, and, and, and big, big 12 schools that don't have, they don't have soccer conferences. Um, but yeah, West Virginia, for example. Right. And so uh, Kentucky, you know, will, will, is sitting on that number one. I, I'm curious if they really haven't been in this picture uh, for uh, recent years. So it'll be interesting to see where they how they handle this number one seed. So I think that's an interesting thing that if Pitt can get on a roll, like they're playing against teams, they have ex- 
college cup experience on their roster and that, that they can, you know, anything is possible. And, you know, they're, they're looking at, you know, even on the other side of the bracket, you know, if Virginia's there, you know, so that they, they, they can't get past, uh, you know, that's, that'll probably be in the, in the college cup, but uh, you know, there's Virginia's on the other side uh, with, um, you know, I think um, Indiana and Oregon State and Stanford. So, I mean, it just you just it, you just don't know the pedigrees there. There's a lot of good programs, but I don't think there's really one great team this year. There have, really hasn't been. I mean, Washington's been knocking on the door three years in a row. Pete Pitt beat that Washington team two years ago. Um, and they're right there too, right, right with Kentucky as the number one and number two. But we know that Pitt can play with anybody. And I think that they have, you know, obviously they're inconsistent. They got to figure some stuff out and they have to take it one game at a time. But I think it's possible that they can make a deep run this year. Yes, absolutely. They have the team. Like I said, they've had the players. Jay believes in them. The players believe they can get there. Like, they're not shy about saying, hey, we can win a national title. They weren't shy about saying they win an ACC title. Obviously did not get to that goal, but um, they are not shy about their desires to win a national title. They've been here before. The players know what's expected of them. Jay knows what's going on. He's won a title at Wake Forest, and he's been successful with his pit team. They went to the Final Four in 2021. That 2020-21 season, not the 21 season, but they went to the Sweet 16 last year, mm-hmm. Elite Eight, Elite eight. against yeah, yeah. Elite Eight against a yeah. tough Notre Dame team. They lost two on penalties, I believe. So that was an unfortunate loss. Um, but yeah, they, they have the they know what they need to do, um, and they've got the players to do it. They just got to execute in that final third. I think they can compete with anybody. And um, yeah, that that's that's what I believe of this team. They're a very solid team, and um, they've got the experience to know what to do to go forward. All right, so we'll be looking forward to that Thursday night, uh, 7 p.m., Ambrose Urbanic Field. Dom, you'll be on the coverage. Uh, just tell everybody, look forward to the Pittsburgh Soccer Now's um, coverage. We are anticipating a feature on uh, Josh Lucchini and Michael Sullivan. So not to put any more pressure on you, Dom, but I know you were, you were working on that. <laughs> you had a chance to talk to both of them. And we're really excited that, um, you know, Josh Lucchini had a chance to come back to Pittsburgh and get one more year. And, you know, obviously Michael's just – you know, just really making a name for himself now this uh, really this year and, and at the end of last season for Pitt. So I'm uh, looking forward to that. Um, we've got a lot going on. I mean, we've got the, the, the PIAA um, playoffs. So we are, will probably have once the semifinals are complete tomorrow and we've got um, five girls teams and um, two boys teams remaining. Um, there will be another edition of the Kids on the Pitch podcast. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then, of course, Dom, you uh, got the ball rolling this week with uh, with our first um, World Cup uh, article. And I don't want to go into too much detail today, but uh, but we are excited about at least Pittsburgh soccer now dipping our toes into the whole World Cup. Uh, it is just unbelievable. It's November and we're, we're, we're less than a week away from the World Cup. And I just can't believe it. Yeah, you know, if you told me or you told my dad a bit older that he'd be seeing a World Cup in November, I think he would have just laughed at you or I would have laughed at you. But um, FIFA has no bounds to what they'll do to get World Cup anywhere around the world. Even, yes, it's a very odd series. I, I don't get it, but I'm not FIFA. I don't control the World Cup. I don't choose where it gets put. Um, they do, and they decided to put this 
in a country that even though they said they would have it in the summer are now having it in November. Uh, who cares about the leagues that are going on and whether those players need rest or not, or you know, who cares, but it's going to be a world cup. It's going to be happening one week away. The U S plays in one week. Can one week. It, John? Unbelievable. And so you uh, prepared a piece and we um, look at it from like, which players will, on, you know what the roster looks like for the U.S. men's national team and which players didn't make the roster. And I think turned some heads, especially around here, because we, we were all anticipating that Zach Steffen, who, you know, I mean, we think Pittsburgh Riverhounds fans, you know, remember his one little brief stint with the Riverhounds. But but really right after that, he just really rose and uh, became uh, kind of took that number one spot uh, with the national team within a couple of years of that one loan of playing in Pittsburgh, but, and then with Columbus and then of course going to Europe, but he's, you know, his struggles were clear and you made it clear in your article and that's been made clear in interviews and everyone else has been talking about um, the, the, as you mentioned, even before the roster selection, that it was because of his lack of playing time uh, initially and his form that it, it wasn't looking good for him to make, make it to 26. Yeah, it was, it was still weird though. I, I thought that, you know, Greg Berhalter knows who Zach Stefan is. He coached them at Columbus. He knows who he is. And I'm pretty sure he gave him the, gave him the green light to be like, yeah, go to Europe. Maybe you don't play a lot, but you're still our number one. They see him go from a number one goalkeeper to not even making the roster. is just right. bizarre to me. Um, I'll probably try to write something about what, how I, I feel about it later in the week, but um, it, it's of the two goalkeepers, like Matt Turner, who's going to be expected number one, played eight games in qualifying. Zach Steffen played six. So you'd expect both of them to be on the roster. And like people were like, well, which one's going to start? But Roger Gonzalez of CBS Sports broke the news that Zach Steffen wasn't going to make it. And I was like, maybe he won't. You know, we've seen some leaks just be false, but um, it was true. He did not get announced when I was watching the if you were watching the selection show Wednesday night, he was not selected. So mm-hmm. quite stunning and unfortunate for Pittsburgh fans who might have some fond memories of his brief stint here. I think it was 2016 when he was yes. no, 20 16. yeah, around that time yeah. when he it was yeah. September of 16 so, um, and it was a, a horrible season for the, the Riverhounds. <laughs> One thing that they had to hang their hat on was like this young goalkeeper at the end of that season was just, he looked really impressive and, um, so yeah, I mean, he, he certainly made a case in 2018, 19, you know, somewhere in, in those times, right after the disappointment of 2017, not making it to the 18 cup that he just sort of said, Hey, I'm going to be the main guy. And it seemed like that was it, but you know, these cycles are, they're vicious and the players have, you know, they, they yeah, it just, things can change so quickly. And this is a perfect example of that. So, uh, but yeah, looking forward to the world cup and we're going to do a very special edition of sounding off on soccer. It'll probably land late in the week. Um, we may record it earlier because there's so much going on. Um, but we are going to do a very special uh, edition of sounding off on soccer where we're going to get a whole bunch of the Pittsburgh soccer now contributors and everyone's going to get involved in, um, you know, kind of getting involved in a little, contest and uh, it'll be fun to see and fun to do and um so more details to come on that but dom um you know really appreciate everything um and uh, just just the beginning for the world cup stuff and oh and we're also very excited um we're going to uh talk more about this but we have a sponsor the getaway uh, bar and grill 
uh, over in the South Hills is uh, will be all of our World Cup content will be presented by the Getaway um, Bar and Grill. And so we're excited about that. A, a new partner uh, with Pittsburgh Soccer now. And uh, so and they're also, uh, of course, all matches, World Cup matches will be um, on the big screens there at the and um, We'll look forward to sharing more information about different spe- uh, food and drink specials at the Getaway Cafe. Uh, we're happy to have them on board as a partner uh, with Pittsburgh Soccer now and the all of our World Cup coverage, which uh, will definitely come with a, a Pittsburgh twist. That's for sure. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to it, Dom. Yeah, it should be good. I'm, I'm excited to do a lot more World Cup coverage. It's the best time of the year um, in terms of soccer. You can't get, you can't ask for anything more than a World Cup to, to discuss and write about. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited. Although I wish it was in the summer, but you know, we don't get our wishes. It'll be in November. Yeah, I mean, it could be just the whole state. Everything would be focused on World Cup, but right now we're dealing yeah, with the NCAA so tournament, all this other fun stuff. So, but yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. So, um, again, Dom, thanks for joining me. Uh, a great. Um, insight on both pit teams and looking forward to your coverage on Thursday night from Ambrose Urbanic Field and uh, talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you soon, John. All right, take care, Dom.